Hey everybody, welcome to Sippy Cup Cocktails. I'm Lance. I'm Hallie. And uh, what are you drinking tonight, Hallie? I'm drinking my Pinot Noir. Yep. Same old, same old. It's this brand I really love called Prophecy. So okay. I looked them up tonight because I've been drinking them for weeks. <laughs> I never Googled <laughs> them. So I did tonight. Um, it's actually just kind of a collective. They have four different wines that they have and then they kind of um, sponsor those wines out of different regions in the U.S. So like... Calif- the Pinot Noir is out of California. Oh, so they're um, not all like, it's not one winery in California it, growing no. multiple vintages? Huh, Mm-mm. that's weird. It's like they take their wines from, like their blend from different, or like wine wineries, orchard, orchards, uh, orchards, oh, wine is in an orchard. Did you know that? I'm sorry, say again? I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, I was following I so along with you. I so befuddled you. And I was like, like, wait, what? you went not right are you looking it up <laughs> no no oh. i was i was it's just like i was like i'm tracking i gotcha i gotcha wait wait what? say again no. <laughs> so it just it's a kind of collective versus just one orchard okay sorry again vineyard <laughs> orchard. <laughs> that's an apple orchard yeah there you go so but it's really good um it's not very dry and like it is dry but it has very nice fruity flavors yeah it's your uh right now it tends to be your I don't want to be in bankruptcy because I drink Mayomi all the time. Wine. Yeah, which I still thanks Kim. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's my uh, special dinner wine. This is everyday drink. There you go. Yes. Yep. And I'm uh, thanks to you making a last minute run at our game night on Saturday. I'm back to drinking uh, whiskey, which I made for you. Yes, you did. So Thank I don't you even have much. to ask you what you're drinking. Exactly. Yeah. Whis- I made it. Yep. If anybody listening is curious it's whiskey and ginger ale yeah and he sucks it down like coolly that's so good <laughs> maybe it just means i have a whiskey problem but i know you do well it's okay i, I support it i i bought you yeah. the whiskey i mean i'll just clarify i don't have a problem with whiskey <laughs> and nor does it have a problem with you no it does not whiskey and i are good friends <laughs> yeah two good friends yeah all right uh should we get into it we should okay um, we kind of have to start the podcast this week on a little bit of a more serious note. Um, as of the date of recording this, it has been five days since the uh, deadly school shooting at um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Um, it it's everyone knows about it now, but um, we had yet another school shooting. Uh, in the United States where uh, one person has uh, taken the lives of uh, 17 different people. So the biggest thing when this happens, uh, I think the first thought of any parent, once you get past the empathy and the sorrow for the people involved, is you instantly start thinking about, what if this was my kid's school? Correct. And it's, it's something hard to talk about. And... What uh, I think is interesting about this one, and I showed you a tweet from uh, 538 last night, the mm-hmm. polling website, that uh, this uh, shooting has not sort of fallen out of the news the way that these school shootings usually do. Yeah, which, it's still gaining traction and yeah, which still highly Googled. Yeah, and in and of itself, the fact that these shootings happen and people forget about them two days later is a whole different discussion but we wanted to take the opportunity to sort of discuss our feelings on the issue and sort of put our opinions out there um 
things are very, very lively with this discussion, which I think they, they should be because people on both sides feel very strongly about it. But And we understand that not everybody's going to agree with our opinions, but um, we just feel that as parents, we want to put our two cents out there. Yeah, we, we built this forum to sort of put our ideas and opinions into the world and to sort of ignore this would be just a disservice to just ourselves and our audience. I agree. Um, so hence I'm here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the, the interesting thing about all of this with this particular shooting is we are seeing the, probably the most heightened instance of a gun reform debate in this country that I've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah, for one, um, I when Sandy Hook occurred, uh, how many think, years ago now? I think that was 2006, but let's be accurate. Was it that so, long ago already? I think it was 2006. Oh, oh, hang on, sorry. 2012. Okay. So six years ago. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, yeah. I don't remember, even myself six years ago, being this passionate about seeing a change because in my mind enough is enough. I yeah. don't want to see any more school shootings. Right. Yeah, I don't want to see any more shootings, period. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I saw a lot of coverage on the discussion of people were using the fact of saying that there had been 18 school shootings in the United States in just 2018 alone. And I saw some people discussing, you know, disputing that fact that some of them were unrelated. They weren't school shootings, quote unquote, but they were gun discharges on school campuses. Yeah, and we and, read through some of those, and I understand where they're um, being highlighted as a school shooting, but it's just yeah. happens to be not even related to the school. So those statistics are kind of a little skewed. Yeah, the the AT number was a little heavily favored High. towards the the gun reform but out advocates. of the ones that we saw there was only maybe a handful that actually didn't involve students being involved right and and the big issue where i took with people starting to nick put that number is one is too many yeah and <clears throat> we shouldn't have to be keeping track exactly it should be a shocking stop the nation event when something like this happens and it becomes commonplace um if you average the numbers out, a gun is discharged on a school campus somewhere in this country every 2.5 days. Well, even an article I saw today just said, since the shooting occurred in Florida last Wednesday, there have been 12 in- incidents of violence, including um, a gun or some type of terrorist threat in schools just in Florida alone. Right. Since. And this is just five days after. Yeah. So. And and not, no, it wasn't Florida. It was the United States. It was the United and States. I know okay. right here in our own community, we had one of them. Mm-hmm. So we did just, uh, you know, sort of that kind of hits close to home thing. But the, the biggest thing that gets me is how eerily you can take and predict the response of both sides. Mm-hmm. But the biggest one that gets me is at least from our side, because we are definitely for gun reform in this country. Correct. We think the gun laws need to be changed. They need to be updated and looked at again. And the people that don't always have the same platitudes, and you see it from the politicians most of all, where it's like our thoughts and our prayers mm-hmm. are with the victims and the families and all of this. And that is what they said after the Las Vegas shooting. That is what they said after the shooting in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That is what they said about the shooting in New Mexico. What they said after Sandy Hook. It's what they say after every single time, as if just thoughts and prayers to the victims, to the victims and their families. That's all you need. Yeah. And it's clearly not all you need because this keeps happening. It ridiculously keeps happening. Yes. And it's led to this idea. And I think I've seen, I will, we'll, everyone's seen, there's been a lot of backlash to this thoughts and prayers idea. Um, you know, I've seen the political cartoon of just, you know, just thoughts and prayers behind a, you know, like a fire alarm thing. And just says, in case of shooting, break glass. Yeah, thoughts like and prayers. Yeah. Or I've even posted, you know, thoughts and prayers crossed out. We need policy and change. Yes. And um, there's so. been a big push for that. So we've we've actually seen a big influx of different policy change uh, ideas from the uh, Second Amendment advocates, I'll say. Correct. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I know. Pick people, it's hard to say, but to stuff like um, one of the big ones that's going around is the idea that, well, we just need to arm the teachers and the staff because yeah. that will that will fix it and heck no no are you mental like really are no. you crazy in the head <laughs> yeah, just one more thing we need in our schools yeah the the idea that arming people that are not fully trained to use these weapons will somehow stop more violence is insane to me yeah i mean they're this kind of comes back just to an autism parent because I blogged about this a little bit yeah. this last weekend. But if you put someone with um, someone armed in a school and you don't have them properly cha- trained on each individual's needs and disabilities, like for Jackson, like for our son individually, there's been so many incidents out in the world where police officers who are trained in how to handle situations, not autistic tendencies specifically but autistic people have been shot because of just how they're acting whether it's just quirky weird he's flapping he's staring he's not listening to me he's running away from me they have no choice that's their sensory overload i've seen where those autistic people have been shot i've seen where they've been handcuffed and they have no idea what's going on whether that happened in a public park or a school so for me, just the scenario of Jay having a meltdown in class or the hallway, which he has a tendency to do every once in a while now where they have to restrain him, that an officer or a staff who's not fully aware of Jackson's disabilities and how he operates and what causes him to go in sensory overload or have an issue due to lack of communication or just not understanding the situation, you know, I could totally with today's society see someone pulling a gun and just shooting him because they don't know any different they think this isn't normal he's on something he's being aggressive he's being violent they have to restrain him there this shouldn't be happening and whether it's my child or anybody's child that no you should not put more guns in the school violence doesn't violence doesn't solve more violence like right and so so to your point um the suspected shooter, Nicholas Cruz, like people float around like, well, he's been treated for autism and ADHD and all that stuff. And they're thrown around. And that just, it hits me to the core of people are going to hear autism. Oh yeah. And think that that means that's a violent shooter waiting to happen when that can't be further from the truth. And the autism society has already put out a message of that, that more autistic peoples are the victims of violence than the ones who actually commit violence. Yeah. By a staggering margin. It's, 
I hate when those things come out, like someone was wielding a knife or shoot, shot people or anything, you know, like, well, he had his quirks. Well, he must have been autistic. It's like, get your facts straight first. Yeah, it's it's just disheartening to see people want to try to attribute something that they don't understand as the cause mm-hmm. because then they don't have to deal with the issue that... This guy had an a- yeah, AR-15. that this person, yeah, he had an AR-15. He had a carbine assault weapon. And I know people are going to get on me. I'm like, well, assault weapon's not a real term, blah, blah, blah. He had a weapon that was originally designed to kill enemy combatants. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't... It's, <sighs> we both yeah. need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, we see all the stuff of the people that are advocates that are against a sort of gun change, gun law change or gun reform always say the same sort of things after we get through the thoughts and prayers. It's... It's not a gun problem. It's a mental health issue. Or it's, it's a society issue. It's not a gun problem. It's a problem with society. I have issues with both of those. Yes. So, <laughs> first, just to address the overarching concern. If it is not a gun problem, then why do we not see these same attacks and shootings everywhere else in the world where guns are not as prevalent as the United States. There's also, though, that, well, we didn't have this issue 20 years ago. Well, I don't think these weapons were readily available 20 years ago either. Right. There's been a large uh, decline in regulations and uh, requirements on obtaining these type of firearms. But just to the point of the idea of if it's not a gun issue, it's a mental health issue, then that means that the rest of the world does not have any people that are afflicted by mental health issues because they don't have these mass shootings on the scale that we do. Or they have actual budget and resources that go to mental health issues, which, oh wait, we don't have that either. Yes, that's my other problem with the mental health excuse, is if you really feel that this is a mental health issue, and we hear this from the politicians, you hear this from the NRA representatives, you hear this from all the people that are against a sort of gun reform. But as soon as you propose nationalized funding for mental health care or just health care in general or taking care of these people that do legitimately have mental health issues, it turns into a, well, we can't afford that. Yeah. Or my taxes aren't going to go pay for somebody else's mental health care or some variant of this thing. So you're trying to say that the gun issue or the shootings issue is not related to guns but mental health but you don't want to take the actions to actually do it yeah and so that also leads into just back to being autistic parents recent news reports and from the budget you know from congress have actually showed that here lately they have slashed and cut the budget for ada which is americans disability act well disabilities and mental health go hand in hand so you can't keep cutting disability spending in the budget and yet still talk about, as a Congress, putting more resources towards mental health. Because even for RJ, he has mental health issues. Yeah. Because he's, it's a sensory processing issue. It's an understanding. It's a communication. That all goes back to a type of mental health yep. for any child with disabilities. So they go hand in hand. You can't really have one without the other. So for people to now say, well, it's a mental health issue. We need to put more money towards that. But here Congress just cut ADA uh you know yeah you it's, can't that's it, just contradicting yourselves yeah, it rings hollow to me like to we, us yeah we we need to work on the mental health issue and then they cut funding or the nra doesn't do anything to push towards that because the nra actually doesn't care about this issue mm-hmm. the nra is eff- effectively acting as 
a lobbyist group for gun manufacturers. Yep. You know, if they were, if they lived up to what they said they did, which is work for education, safety, communication of the use and uh, ownership of firearms, that would be fine. Yeah. But anytime we bring up spending money on educating people and making things more safe by regulating who can have access to these weapons and how often and how you get access, they fight it tooth and nail. The NRA has never, in my memory or to my knowledge, been in favor of any type of restriction to firearms. I know. Yeah. So it's when you try and deflect and say it's a mental health issue, but then you don't do anything. Yeah. Or you say it's a society issue, implying that if we were all just nicer to each other or if we raised our children better, we wouldn't have these school shootings. It's offensive to me. Yeah, because, I mean, for this individual alone who did the last one he did have family he lost everything i mean so it's not a question of having proper he probably had proper it's just the situation at hand and he was suffering i don't i'm not condemning him like condoning i'm sorry i'm not condoning what he did i'm just saying he probably would have suffered just as much but give him access to a ar-15 and there's the destruction right and if he didn't have access to that, then he wouldn't have done it. Like, Yeah, exactly. It, it was. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. In the state of Florida, an 18-year-old can walk into a Walmart, buy a carbine rifle like the AR-15, and 1,000 rounds of ammunition with no questions But he asked. can't buy an actual gun until he's 21. Right. Which can't buy a handgun. Handgun. So. It's, it's just mind-baffling. And the whole yeah. society thing just bugs me because it's like this generation needs to be more kind we need to teach our children well the people i hear that coming from are our older generation like older than us so it's like well you've kind the generation that's kind of you know digging in their heels and like it's a society issue sorry guys you're the ones who brought us up like (laughs) if you didn't teach your kids right the first time your grandchildren might be fucked up too and i'm like hello and this is not a pure generational issue because the uh perpetrator in the vegas shooting where over 500 people were injured he was not a millennial yeah yeah i forget his exact age but it was mid 40s to 50s yeah exactly yeah so this is not pure generation Mm -hmm. this is not pure society this is just a pure issue about access and use of firearms. Yeah. And to the people, the thing that really gets me is people that just shrug their shoulders and say, how's the Second Amendment? What you going to do? It's the way it is. Those people, you're taking yourself out of the conversation completely. Yeah. In my mind, you don't want to have this talk and you shouldn't be allowed to have the talk because to you're just so close, shrug your you're shoulders. You're closed off minded. Yeah. To shrug your shoulders and say, it's just a Second Amendment thing and that's just the way it is. That's saying that right now, the status quo is kids are getting murdered in their schools. And if you shrug your shoulders and say, that's the way it is, that means you're fine with that. And let's remember, there used to be other amendments in the Constitution, too. Prohibition, slavery. Um, I'm well, pretty just in sure the definition. It's a second amendment. amendment. It was you can an amend addition. it. <laughs> and I'm just it's like there used to be prohibition and slavery. We we had common sense then for people to stand up and say this is wrong. And I think this might be yeah. I'm hoping this is the time where this one I, I hope the six because 
like you say, to the point of like until the early 1900s, women weren't allowed to vote. We had to put that into the Constitution because yeah. it was an error or an, omo- an omission. Excuse me. The idea that this Second Amendment is a sacred piece of text when we're relying on a Supreme Court interpretation that just says, yep, this says people can own whatever firearms they can. But there's already a line. Mm-hmm. And here's where I think we start to talking about what we want to see. Yeah. Everyone, nobody is out there in massive droves saying like, the Second Amendment says I can have access to grenades and landmines and I should have an RPG. Nobody's out there saying that because everyone recognizes like, that's a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. It's pointless. But you hit the current line we're at where people have access to these high power, high capacity magazine rifles. And they lean on this idea that the Second Amendment is there to help them fight off a tyrannical government that might come for them or oppress them some way. But they look at, if you look at our current military, where we we spend, in my opinion, far too much money on military spending, you say, if the military comes rolling up to your house with four drones and a tank, your AR-15 doesn't do a damn thing. <laughs> yeah, You're done. You're bringing a... Uh, yeah. we, we saw a stand-up comedian. He says, you're bringing a gun to a drone fight. Yeah. You're going to lose. You're screwed. So we already have an established line of a, of society of what people can purchase versus what is unreasonable. That line needs to be moved back. To include. Yeah. We need to make sure that people do not have readily accessible access to high-capacity magazines, to suppressors, to carbine-type semi-automatic rifles. And the important thing to distinct here is this is not the liberals coming to take your guns crowd. Uh, Neither one of us feel that way, right? No, by all means. I understand people have guns. We talked about this at my job the other day. There's a few people who have guns and that's just for their personal safety. I have no problem with people having a conceal to carry a gun. If that's their prerogative, if they're comfortable with that responsibility, that's all their power. But I don't think... Oh, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, I can just see someone say, well, I have a conceal to carry an AR-15. What? <laughs> like, I'm just saying, I'm not, we're it's... not, and I think that comes from a high, even the people in Florida right now, from what I've read, they're not about taking guns away. They just want some regulations on these, like you've talked on about. On just these access. These, these high, powerful guns that, for what purpose do regular civilians have them for? Yeah, it's. That's, it's, I Someone understand. said I had them for target practice. Huh? Yeah. Like, what target... What? What Are you in Africa? Like, where are you targeting practice and why for? Yeah, and and the thing, too, is I don't have a problem with... You want to use guns for sport shooting. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You can have rifles. Mm-hmm. You could even have a carbine-type rifle, but you shouldn't have access to a 30-round magazine yeah. for it. There's no purpose for that. Hunting, fine. Knock yourselves out. You want to have access to a bolt-action rifle... Fine, because if you take one shot at a deer and you miss, the other 29 aren't going to do you much damn good. Yeah. So it is it is time that we honestly look at ourselves as a country and realize that right now, the way things are is kids are going to school and they are dying. Parents are sending their kids to school and they're never seeing them again. And the fact 
that we have to say that. The fact that 20 first graders can die in 2012 and nobody does anything. The fact that 500 people can get shot in Las Vegas and nobody does anything meaningful. The thing that gives me hope is now we have a group that was attacked in Parkland. Mm-hmm. These are these aren't elementary school kids. These aren't people that are just going to scatter or hide. These are young kids with the courage to stand up for what they believe in, to fight back, and they're savvy enough to organize on social media. Yeah. And that's why I think it's staying in the news, and that's why I'm going to do everything I can to help this stay in the focus. Me too. Because I think people just need to understand that these just aren't kids anymore. That they have a voice, that they have their rights to have their own beliefs, and to speak out against what they feel is needs to change. Yeah. And, and like I said, you mentioned their rights. And I think that's what this boils down to is at least in terms of our opinion, mm-hmm. we're at a clash of rights. Mm-hmm. The second amendment of the constitution guarantees under the current interpretation guarantees a citizen, the right to possess and bear arms. But every child in America has the right to go to school and then to go home at the end of the day. And in my opinion, the right of the child to live through his day at school far outweighs the right of any individual civilian's right to own whatever type of firearm they want. So. So, yep, we support. Yeah, we support strong, logical steps. Common sense. Yeah. Um, like I said, we know this is a contentious topic. Um, I'm not going to speak for you but if you have a disagreement with me uh i am on facebook i am on twitter at lance t allen you can come have a discussion with me anytime you want i will be there i will uh defend my viewpoint adamantly i hope to have an intelligent conversation that's not just uh name slinging but if you want to continue this conversation if you disagree with me you can come by me on social media I'm just going to post stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really care if you agree with me or not. <laughs> You'll probably get tired of me because I'm just at the point of I'm just tired of all the BS. Yep. With everything. Not just the shooting. I mean, that rings very high, but I'm tired of the shooting and not seeing any changes. I'm tired of how our government is being run. And I'm tired of intolerance for autism. Yeah. So I'm just tired of it all. So if you follow me on social media, you're, you might get blasted. If you don't <laughs> like it, too bad. Unfollow me. Yep. Um, so should we get a little palate cleanser here? Just kind of wrap up? Sen. Mm, a little <laughs> meditation, a little calm, a little relaxation. Yep. Um, for the palate cleanser. Yes. Uh, I finally finished the uh, book you asked me to read. Mm-hmm. Um Back in, uh, those of you that have been following us, back in November, uh, we uh, did a media month in which one of the weeks we watched the documentary Life Animated, uh, which was based off of a book uh, about a autistic boy who found his voice and sort of found a way to navigate the world through Disney animated films. Um, the book was written by uh, the boy's father, Ron Suskind. Suskind? Suskind? I think it's Suskind. Suskind. 
He's a poultry, poultry, okay. Pulitzer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. Pulitzer. Uh, Pulitzer. Uh, Wikipedia doesn't have a pronunciation of his name. Get your shit together, Wikipedia. <laughs> I want my $3 back. You donate it? <laughs> I donate to Wikipedia all the time. Every year. You do? Yeah. When? Like whenever they do that banner that says, hey, give us $3 so you can keep having Wikipedia. I didn't know that. Oh. I never <laughs> seen it come out of the count. Oh, you missed it then. Okay. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Either way, um, he wrote uh, a book that basically summarized uh, his and his wife's journey uh, dealing with... Uh, his son being affected by autism and the uh, biggest thing that uh, that hit them the whole thing that they dealt with is their son Owen who the book is about got up to the age of three years old and then regressed yeah overnight yeah literally overnight just stopped talking and so they got hit by uh, autism in a way that even goes beyond what you and i felt because we sort of just led into it we didn't we didn't ever feel like we'd lost a part of jackson yeah it was just from the get-go that's just how he was yeah and so it's uh it, it really hit me just the idea of you have your son and you're like they described him playing peter pan with owen just mm-hmm. sword fighting and leaves and then just he stopped talking and so I I thought, like, we covered the documentary back in November, so I didn't want to just rehash the whole story. But I thought it would be a good chance for us to talk about our takeaways from the book. Because, as is natural, the book goes into far more detail than the documentary possibly could have. Mm-hmm. And then it expands further than the documentary. Yeah. We talk yeah, about yeah. a little bit more than, like, further ahead than where the documentary ends. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Just a little bit. Just a little. Yeah. Um. So I I guess do you want me to go first since fresher or do you want to go first? You can go first. Okay. Um the biggest thing I took away from it was reading about this father's goal of just trying to not translate his son's actions or thoughts, but trying to figure out how his son is processing information. On every time he would have these minor breakthroughs with the Iago puppet from Aladdin or when Owen would just out of the blue give a very poignant statement about something Mm -hmm. and they had this click moment of oh here's how he sees the world here's how he's processing the world Mm -hmm. and to the point of by the time he was up to high school age they were almost experts in knowing if Owen got into a situation that was new to him they were pretty able to sorry they were able to very accurately predict how it was going to go and how he was going to be able to process that information or how they needed to guide him towards the processing. Yeah. So just in the past... uh, They would use Disney scenarios to work through his issues. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just... um, So I'm now to the point of... It's really made me look at uh, how Jackson interacts with us and... Yeah. The house and just try and figure out, okay, how is he processing this information? Mm-hmm. Like tonight he was playing with just a, you know, go fish type toy of a bunch of fish rotating in a circle. And he likes to just pick them up and put them in different slots in it. And he was doing it with lightning accuracy. 
And I'm just trying to figure out, okay, so what is it about this that makes him able to get that motor skill and be confident and Focus. focused on it? Yeah. Where he just, he lacks the motor skill to make the standard or English like, language sounds with his mouth and tongue and lips. Or the motor skills for that, but yet when we have a similar, the, the spelling game we just got for him. Like, he knows his letters perfectly. The kid yeah. does. But to get him to match it just perfectly is a lot more harder for him. But it's the same type of concept. Right. Yeah. So, it's just trying to find that bridge. So, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's my biggest takeaway of just, it's made me a lot more aware of, I need to understand that Jackson does not, like, he's just not behind in his development. You know, stuff we've we've always known. Yeah. It's just, it's good to have that refresher, but... Well, I think he's behind in his development just because it takes it takes longer to understand where he's at. Right. I'm, so. I'm not saying he's not behind. I'm saying it's not oh, just... Oh, I think it's, you said, okay. It's not just, oh, he's behind and he'll catch up or we'll get him there, but just I have to remember he doesn't process information the same way I do. Yeah. And I, I usually have a good amount of success in therapy with him, trying to make it fun and engaging, but I need to remember that just doing like core drill work or just repetition doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's made me a lot more aware of that. I think we've always talked about getting down on his level, but after reading this book, um, it's so much more poignant about accessing the things that he's in, he enjoys in life to, to bring it out, to make him, to understand how he's processing things. Yeah. Not just, well, you have to do this and this and this. Um, through therapy, it's more of how is he understanding this now and how can I get him to understand similar things? Yes. So. Yeah. So, I mean, like, what about you? Did you have any, like, bigger takeaways from the book? No, I, it's very similar because yeah. I just, I really focused on the movie part and it, it just was really su- sweet for me to see how the his parents really got to just understand and know him um, and how he functioned and was seeing the world through the movies and how he would describe them. I thought that was yeah, that was great parenting. They they were fantastic parents. Yeah. So. Um, but you, you did have one thing that uh, definitely caught your eye. Yeah. Because was... I I was I was reading through this whole book, <laughs> and this whole time. After I read it the first time, I think either Jackson bumped it or something, or I tossed it to the table too fast or something, and I bent the front corner of it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, don't bend my book. And I'm looking, I'm like, you have a dog-eared page, like, two-thirds of the way through Which, this Which, for book. an avid reader, you do not do that. Yeah. That is you, sacrilegious. You have committed book. a cardinal sin. I have. Um, but I just like this one passage where they were talking about basically writing the book and how that would be... Yeah. Um, you know, such a big journey for them to well, converge and complete and, you know, separate out their lives from pers- professional and public and personal and private and how it would be like a, it says, into one big headlong heartfelt mess. And um, she just wrote here, um, she looked, his wife looked at her him and said, it might help people like we needed help. And... That just kind of resonated with me because it was like, yeah, reading your book really, really did help. And yeah. just made me think about different ways to interact with my son. And not that your ways is going to help me with my ways. It just gives me thoughts of not one way is the right way. 
Yeah. And then it also just made me realize, like, not realize, but it's also why we do this podcast and why I blog. It's not just completely all for me or for us just to release. It's to know, like, this book, you're not you're not doing this on your own. Yeah. And so. that's, that's a big thing. Um, and that's something I kind of wanted to, like, lead into just a kind of discussion about this is it seems once or twice a year there's always these big human interest stories that come forward about people with disabilities yeah you know life animated um you know a couple of years ago the big thing everyone discovered was the t- story of temple grandin mm-hmm. because uh, they made a film on it um you know coming up recently carly fleischman and her web series as a autistic individual that talks through a device but shows that there's a big sense of humor behind that and even going back to the miracle worker mm-hmm. and it i started thinking about just what is it about the stories that break through that kind of hit the public consciousness that allows them to do that. Like, is there some X factor? And Personally, I just think it's because, um, they're feel good stories. They make you think, but they all have a happy ending. Okay. Per se. I can see that. Um, so that's why they're able to break through. I think it'd still be good in culture. And for autism awareness, acceptance, and understanding for stories where um, kids who aren't talked about in the public eye, um, the kiddos that are kind of left behind, um, they become more prevalent. 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 There we go. (laughs) Um, Because the majority of kiddos with autisms are not your child who's able to live independent is not your child who's able to learn how to speak and host a show are not the child who's able to become a public speaker right um you know they're the child who can hardly take care of themselves and are going to need that caregiver for the rest of their lives and i think to show awareness on those individuals and their families would be good for society to understand. Yeah, that's that's a really, really good point. And um, before we go on any further, I'm going to go through the dog outside. I'll do it. No, I, I think that's a good point. I think people need to see the reality of it more yeah but um the global versus just the select yeah what what i really kind of took away what i thought allows these kind of stories to break through and you're right the feel-good story is definitely like the big part of it like the success part of it but they all seem to be put out there by really good storytellers Oh yeah, like if Ron? Mm-hmm. yeah, like if Great Ron Susskind had not been an award-winning author before him, because he had he had written books about these human interest. You know, uh, he talks about the books he mm-hmm. was working on of uh, a child born in essentially a poverty neighborhood that had just fought to just get to a good college, and how he got there. And mm-hmm. you know, I think that's the book he won his Pulitzer for. Yeah, um, and just all these stories he was writing, if he did not have that ability. He likely, or I hope, would have still been as good of a father. Oh, yeah. Well, I sorry, not as good of a father, but 
he had the sort of investigative journalism side that you could definitely see is how he sort of approached his interactions with Owen. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing is the stories that are told by good storytellers are the ones that are going to break through the noise. Yeah. Because there are, there are probably thousands of happy ending stories out there all the time. It's just the ones that are told in the compelling fashion are going to break through. Yeah. And, so that's why I kind of wanted to. I did you have any more kind of thoughts on this before I wrapped up? No. Okay, I didn't want to step on your toes. <laughs> it's okay. Um, what I what I wanted to say is where I was thinking about this and did a lot of thinking leading up to recording today, is for the people that are out there that are dealing with stuff like we're dealing with. It doesn't matter if twenty people know your story, or if a hundred, or a thousand, or a million. The important thing is you know that you are doing everything you can for your kid. You're doing everything you can for your family member that's dealing with some issue. And that's what's important. Well said, babe. (laughs) All right. So, um, good news for you guys, if you're still with us. (laughs) We are past 25 episodes of Sippy Cup Cocktails. So I am done begging you to subscribe to all our links and all that stuff. I'm just going to trust that you are a good, loyal audience member. <laughs> and that if you, are just describing, if you are just discovering us, you're probably technically savvy enough to subscribe on your own. So uh, we talked about it earlier before, but Hallie writes a really good blog about just her experiences as an autism mother, just kind of from her standpoint. And that blog can be found at www.ourjourneywithjackson.wordpress.com. Perfect. Uh, you can find us on Facebook for updates for new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at SC Cocktails for updates on new episodes, any sort of discussion topics. And we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and we will hopefully see you guys next week uh, for an all new episode. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Thanks, guys.